0: so how are you doing today jackie
1: i'm doing pretty good
0: yeah
1: Mm Mhm. i have no complaint
0: is uh is josh happy that he's
1: out now i know this week has been kind of crazy with recording with all the schedule changes we've been doing but we've been running around all over the place trying to get all of it sorted out but it yeah it got (laughs) sorted and it's good he's good to go he's out (laughs) So, for context,
0: everybody listening, her husband Josh just got discharged from the Air Force, and he's happy. As we all should be.
1: (laughs) He's just happy. He's, uh, he's had good experiences, but he was ready to move on at the end of his contract, so. Yeah. We're moving on. (laughs) Bigger and better things.
0: Hell Yeah. So, I, uh... I haven't slept much lately because school's out now, so I decided yesterday, like a crazy person, I'm going to clean my entire house. Good idea. It was a good idea, but I'm regretting it today because now I have to finish up, and I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm
0: so tired, but it's okay. It's okay. Anything. Are you still trying to uh, switch your sleep schedule up? I was going to, but I decided against it for the plain and simple fact that I think it would put too much of a strain on how things are right now. And I realized yeah. that people go to school and work overnight jobs all the time, but for where I am and what I'm doing, I just don't think it's going to work out, especially since with the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. um, it's, I don't even know if I'm still going to have the job when it's over.
1: They haven't messaged, They haven't emailed you or anything about it?
0: No, they haven't. But, you know, maybe it's for the best.
1: Yeah, I'm sure when things calm down, the job market will open back up. Yeah,
0: but we're still in phase one in Nevada, so hotels and casinos haven't reopened or anything. Um, I'm
1: just staying at home, doing my <laughs> thing, going to work when I need to, and that's it. <laughs> Save.
0: Oh, um, I got a new, uh, well, Ryan and I are thinking about moving apartments to a nicer complex. It has double the square feet that we have right now, and it's a two-bedroom, two-bath with a full-size washer and dryer, and right now we're in a one-bedroom, one-bath with a stackable. Yeah, but
1: then you have to move.
0: (laughs) Right, but it's cheaper, and it's in a better part of town, which I understand that, you know. People need help, things like that. But I don't like a lot of people just being out and about late at night that I think... My- well, you live in Reno. I know, I know. So <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a lot of transient pop- population in Reno. And we live in a spot where it's close to downtown. So there's quite a few people that like go through our garbage. And our neighbors have asked us for money before... So we're just trying to look for a safer part of town mm. that's a little quieter. So we found a place that's uh, about 20 minutes away from where we are now. That's so, not bad. No, it's Sounds not Sounds like bad you like all. it. Yeah, we're excited about it. We're probably going to move the last week of June. And uh, mom and dad said they'd come help if we get them the exact date soon.
1: That's not bad. No, not bad at all. Help is little, always nice.
0: Yeah, I'm a little worried about how mom's going to do with the cat's
1: yeah that might be rough
0: <laughs> but she's got she's got her allergy medicine it should be okay um, dad said so I was talking about it and I was like well we were thinking that we'd probably get everything moved over and then hire like a moving company for like the really heavy stuff that I can't lift and dad's like no no that's not necessary uh, Ryan and I will be there and we will drink a beer while you and your mom do it
1: <laughs> nice it was a dad joke
0: of all dad jokes lately And it's just It made me really happy And I was like Oh in that case Don't worry about coming down <laughs> Mom was in the background Like absolutely not I'll be moral support <laughs> Are you and Josh Still thinking about moving?
1: Uh, I don't know Just the whole process I told you I know we talked about this um, Offline <laughs> But I want to go through Everything in my house And just throw 90% of this stuff away like i've been home all the time i feel like everything's messy i just feel like i have too much stuff so moving right now with everything the way it is i'd probably lose my mind (laughs) just a little i definitely need to have you heard of the marie kwando show the art of tidying up yeah i feel like i need to binge watch a couple episodes and fix my life (laughs)
0: There was a tweet about that, and I know I mentioned tweets before, but this tweet was like, does this item spark joy? No, it doesn't. And then mm-hmm. later, sitting in an empty house, oh yeah, I have depression. Oh. And that's how I feel. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I really like Marie Kondo, and I like the idea of that, but I also have Ryan who No offense to anybody out there, but was an only child that did get everything he ever asked for. So he is not very happy when I try to throw his things away. But he recognizes it, and I've cut down on the cables in our house by, like, 75%. That's good. Yeah, he wasn't very happy, but he kept only one of each cable.
1: You you know what you guys should do? You should get a rabbit.
0: A rabbit? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, let's And then they
1: chew through all those cables, just throw them out. (laughs) Oh, no, it was an accident. It got to this one, too. I know it looks like scissors, but it definitely wasn't. (laughs) It was definitely the rabbit.
0: Goddamn rabbits are a problem.
1: I think they make good pets, though, from what I've seen. A lot of people keep them.
0: I would get one if I didn't think my cats would murder it on accident by trying to play with it too hard. (laughs) Mm-hmm. it would start hopping and they'd be like absolutely not. I must chase the thing.
1: When our dog was little, she ruined a couple Xbox controllers we had and a few a few sets of headphones because she just liked, I guess, the way the electricity tasted or something <laughs> because she it was like a giant target was painted on those. She oh, would just chomp no. them. I don't know how she survived. <laughs> The cable chewing or the aftermath? Oh no. oh, no. so man. She got time out a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got a, uh, a fancy wireless Xbox controller, and it ran on batteries. And I was like, oh, it's not too big of a deal. Like, two double A's, pretty standard. That thing ran out of batteries after, like, four times using it. And I was like, absolutely not. So we had to go online and buy separate, like, rechargeable battery packs mm-hmm. and a stand so we could recharge it. And I'm just like, I don't know That's understand. pretty normal. I know, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if someone wants something wireless, why not pre-install it with that? Or why not have the option to come with that? Money. I know. <laughs>
1: Cash dollars. I have your answer right there. Ready to go. <laughs> Ask me <him> something else. <laughs> I want to be a millionaire.
0: Okay. Why doesn't my cat yeah. love
1: me? <laughs> <laughs> Is it also money?
0: <laughs> probably.
1: Oh, God. You've oh probably been buying him some cheap food. He's like, where's this fancy feast? I see the commercial. <laughs> I know it's... it's there.
0: I think it's actually the opposite. I've been fi- buying them, like, grain-free expensive food because when we had our dog, Oscar, he developed, he was a pug, so he had lots of problems, but he developed an allergy to, like, wheat and stuff, and it turns out that's the most common allergy is to either wheat or corn for animals.
1: Yeah, not a lot of dogs eat corn in the wild.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I switched to grain-free completely, and I think they're angry that they're not getting the really tasty meow mix or stuff like that but when That's we buy them did? the cheap food now like if we're short in a payday and we're like oh we ha- we have to buy them this uh this cheaper stuff they just throw it all up and I'm like god damn it <laughs> like poor this, babies this is bullshit no I think they do it on purpose and I think they do it when specifically we don't give them the food they want or they need attention because the oldest cat, Jesse, will come out here, make eye contact with me, and make sure I'm watching him, and then throw up. Mm. And I'm like, "You're right by the hardwood floor. You can't move over two feet." And he just looks at me like, "Are you gonna pick this up?"
1: He does a little snap, snap thing. Yeah, it's it weird my they don't have fingers. I know.
0: I you Somehow. know I thought that was weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Are you ready for murder?
0: I'm ready for murder.
1: I'm going to tell you about the murder of Matthew Stewart. All right.
0: Let's hear it. I've never heard of this one.
1: I'm not surprised because I found three news articles about it. Total. And I was reading this forum about this murder. And somebody was like, I live in the next town over and I haven't heard this murder before. Oh, man. So I'm going to try and do my best to tell you this story and move it into the public's eye because I think it's very interesting.
0: Very interesting. Okay.
1: Very interesting.
0: I'm ready. Let's go.
1: Okay. So it's 2009 and Matthew Stewart is living in a town called Mooresville. In North Carolina, I had to look that up. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's from Mooresville. Everybody knows Mooresville,
0: right? I've definitely one hundred percent of he- heard of Mooresville before.
1: Mm-hmm. North Carolina.
0: What's North Carolina? I don't know that
1: one though. Matthew Ryan Stewart <laughs> is thirty-one years old, and he's an RN, and he's married to Angela, who goes by Angel, who's also an RN. They have three children um, I'm not sure how old the oldest one is. I think she's like four none of these really say but she has a two year old and then she has they have a young baby so and all the initial reports and I'm gonna kind of kind of tell you this way so you don't see the twist coming. okay, I'm ready okay she. josh just messaged me he's sitting behind me and he can hear this he's like i used to live right next to mooresville (laughs) get him on here that's everybody i i need to know if he knows where or what this murder is uh i'll ask him at the end okay have you heard of this murder before josh he says no okay Two thousand and nine. You weren't there then. You were there? Josh is old as shit, everyone. Holy fuck. <laughs> You're dating an he's old laughing. man. He's laughing, it's
0: fine. I don't uh-huh. believe that he is laughing, honestly.
1: <laughs> he is, I can see it in his eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's not laughing physically, he's laughing spiritually. And that's all that matters. He's like googling how to murder my wife behind me. (laughs) Best way is to hide a body.
1: He was still living near Morrisville when this happened, so that's funny. I didn't even think to ask him about it or anything. But that's probably because I didn't realize it was in North Carolina until this second. So
0: (laughs) this is what happens when you do shoddy research.
1: Uh, My research is pristine.
0: Burn, okay. Anyway,
1: they're living in the Gabriel Estates neighborhood in North Mooresville, and it's about 12.15 a.m., and the police are called. Angela, her nickname's Angel, ran to a neighbor's house and was pounding on the door. When the neighbors opened the door, she had a gunshot wound on her wrist, and she was holding her two-year-old and said that her husband had been shot. So Uh the police are called, they get care for Angela, they take her to the hospital, and then they go into the house. The baby, their baby is still in the house, but the oldest child is not in the home. She was at a friend's house.
0: That's really lucky.
1: So Angel was talking to the police afterward and said, an intruder came into the couple's bedroom in the middle of the night and started shooting without ever saying a word. She said she had no idea why anyone would target her family. She escaped from the home with her two year old, but the two year old was in the bed with them when the shooting started. And the two year old wasn't injured at all. And she escaped with a gunshot wound to her wrist. That's really lucky. That is very lucky, you could say. Oh. Right? Oh, okay. If you think about it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then some, a little bit more information. So that's basically most of the information the police ever release to the public, to the media, because it's still an open case at this point. They're still investigating. So there's been no release of records or any forensic evidence or anything that the police have. Mm -hmm. What something else comes out. They keep talking to her. And originally, she's like... You know, I couldn't see anything. I don't know what this guy looked like. He didn't say anything. And then eventually, with more pressing, she said he was a tall man. And that's basically all the description she could give police was that he was tall. Yeah, when she ran out of the house, she said at that time, her husband was struggling with the intruder. The police department, I guess, felt like they couldn't handle the investigation, and so the SBI started assisting in the investigation. Um, There were no recent reports of break-ins in the neighborhood, but I was reading in this forum, and a couple other things come out that's interesting. There were no signs of forced entry and nothing missing in the home, which means probably not a robbery, right? Right. Especially if the home intruders weren't asking for money or valuables or anything when they start shooting, which corroborates the wife's story. Mm -hmm. And there's always a motive, so what did they want, right? That means it's very targeted and they're trying basically just to kill him.
0: Yeah, they don't want anything besides his death.
1: Exactly. And because there was no signs of forced entry, that means they knew the victims or the killers had an accomplice. The wife's mother eventually tells the police she woke up in the middle of the night, and so she got up and went to her daughter's house, Angel's house, Mm -hmm. but um, stopped by a store and bought a gallon of milk, and she went into the house and put the milk in the fridge and said, normally when this happens, because it's a common occurrence, it was about 11 p.m. that night, she would normally just sleep on their couch Mm -hmm. But that night, she took a blanket off of the couch, got back in her car, and left the front door unlocked. And she saw or heard nothing.
0: Interesting.
1: So they're saying that home invaders picked a random house that just happened to have the door unlocked to go inside and brutally murder this man. That right it doesn't
0: make sense, but okay.
1: It doesn't make a lot of sense. Continuing, the guy was shot with two different caliber guns. And not only was he shot with the two different caliber guns, he was stabbed with two different knives over 80 times. What?
0: Excuse me?
1: <laughs> Ex- yes. Uh, I. What? The wife, again, I'm going to tell you this again, the wife escapes with just a gunshot wound across her wrist, covered with a band-aid, and her baby, the two-year-old, she is able to pick the kid up and escape while she says this guy's struggling with her husband and go to the neighbor's house to call the police. And the guy is completely gone after stabbing this Matthew Stewart over 80 times. Before the police arrive. Maybe he's a quick stabber. And she leaves the baby in the house before she runs and gets help. So the baby's in there the entire time. In the crib. No. (laughs) None of their neighbors heard anything. Any gunshot wounds, any commotion. So they're saying maybe a silencer was used. So they're saying maybe these people are like, I don't want to say professionals. But maybe better than your average murderer, <laughs> I guess. Interesting. I'm
0: already so confused.
1: <laughs> right. And that's, and I'm really sorry to kind of just drop it there, but that's all of the information anybody has on this case. Um, I don't really want to point the fingers at anyone without any more information, but but hmm. I think it's kind of unbelievable for all that to happen, and the wife to for it to happen exactly the way she says it happens.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it is easy to shoot yourself in the wrist.
1: And they exactly, I've been watching Forensic Files a lot recently. Of course. Um, of course. And I just watched that episode of the woman who has her divorced husband come into the garage. She lures him there to ask him to look at the uh, heaters, the water heater or something. And she gets shot in the arm and he gets shot like 10 times and dies and she calls the police and they come and she's like oh it was a robbery or something and then later it turns out it was her lover that like she called the lover over and they had planned the whole thing and they shot her from like an inch away from her arm so that she could be like look i'm completely innocent i was injured too
0: that's like the uh the mom said a wolf-like man shot her kids in the van.
1: Yeah. Shot in the arm. Yeah, that was in Oregon, too. This wasn't in Oregon. My story wasn't, but... No, it was in this magical land
0: called North Carolina that no one's ever heard of.
1: <laughs> but we've no. all heard of
0: Mooresville, everyone, so...
1: <laughs> okay. And that's the story of the murder of Matthew Stewart. Most of this information is from the Mooresville Tribune which is the local newspaper, obviously, for that area. And there have been no updates really since then. The State Bureau of in- Investigation, I said, was called in to assist the local police department. They want people with any information to call 704-664-3311 or Crime Stoppers, which is at 704 658 five six and they're offering a reward for information but based on this the police don't really have anything to go on i'm hoping they found forensic evidence or something but yeah there's been nothing else released about this case ever yeah so i think the chances of that happening is well Not great i'm just gonna say I'll, I'll cross my fingers and hope but hopefully justice happen. I wish somebody would look into it a little bit more because it seems like this one is, I don't want to say easy to solve. I want to say there's a, a very suspicious face in this one, but I'm not a professional. Yeah. And I'm assuming the police know how to do what they do better than I know how to do what they do. So Yeah, and sometimes there's a lot of red tape to cut and things like that. Yep. Nine years worth. Well, actually, 11 years worth. I can do math. Oregon. <laughs> you said it was in 2009. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you get June
1: eight? Of <laughs> I didn't say eight. I <laughs>
0: meant nine. This is a math. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, that's it that. It was 11
1: years ago, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for Just your Just a clear thing.
0: <laughs> Hi everyone. It's Izzy here. And if you didn't know, I'm the one of us that's responsible for editing and uploading our podcast. And I just wanted to let you know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and just to clarify, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I like to use it because for me, it just makes everything so simple and easy, and it is the best program that I have found to help upload and find sponsorships, and it automatically distributes it for me there is literally nothing that I have to do in order to get my podcast onto all of the listening sites so download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started you can record it right from the app right from your phone anywhere it's convenient it's easy and best of all it's free okay and we're back i hope everybody enjoyed that ad ad break i uh i put some fancy music in there too
1: that's exciting <laughs> look at you go
0: yeah it makes it makes all the ads exciting
1: i like always that. skip them when i listen to podcasts hey, i don't
0: hey, care hey get listen. out of here
1: with your ads no listen cross get 10 times
0: they sponsor us and we can afford to do more things so I don't please listen to our ads.
1: Care. I care. I don't care when I'm listening to podcasts. I don't care right now. You guys, skip if you want to. I'm
0: cutting that out. You stop it. <laughs>
1: Live your best life. Don't let us drag you down.
0: Jackie. What? We're not going to get sponsors now because of you.
1: <laughs> like they listen to podcasts. I don't know. Anyway. I did it. (laughs) HelloFresh is way too busy to listen to every episode of every podcast. They're like, "Mm, hey. They might initially. What does true crime have to do with cooking dinner every night with our fresh, wholesome ingredients? Nothing. (laughs) Unless someone stabs you with a knife. (laughs) And we'll talk about it. But (laughs) you know Um... I'm right. I know you're right. Anyway,
0: <laughs> this is, so I have another old one because I love them and they make me happy and they deserve recognition, I think, just as much as current
1: ones do. You do the old ones so often.
0: I don't need you to judge me.
1: It's been every episode.
0: It has not. I did Brianna Maitland and that was from 2006. And my next one isn't going to be old either. Good. Good. Good,
1: good. You'd gonna... be talking about somebody's grandma.
0: You know what? Do you want to fight me through the internet? <laughs> later. <laughs> right now? Okay. That's what I thought. Anyway,
1: <laughs> uh, Say, hold one... hold that thought. Why? Of fighting you later. Oh, I'm
0: not gonna hold it. You hold it. Anyway. <laughs> so this is a pretty well-known one but it's one of my favorite unsolved crimes it's the i'm not going to tell you what it is either because it gives it away
1: wait 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 i know what it is what is it the black dahlia no it's not the black dahlia fine
0: this one's i think i think this one has more possibilities than the black dahlia does
1: The Black Dahlia is unsolved because it has too many possibilities. Right. Well... Oh. Never mind then.
0: Anyway. Uh (laughs) This story is special because it is our first listener suggestion. Really? Yes. This was suggested to us by our friend of 12 years and our sister Gabby. (laughs) Tell it to
1: me twice then.
0: Okay. I will. Because Gabby is so special. She... Okay. (laughs) So our friend Gabby is a teacher... And I love her so much. And because of the COVID situation and her being in quarantine and not being able to teach them face to face, she made flat gabbies. Or as I call them teeny gabbies, which is like a little it looks like a bitmoji avatar. And it's laminated and it's just a little tiny piece of paper. So I've been taking it and every time I'm doing something, I send them a picture and i'm like uh teeny gabby's helping me record the podcast and teeny gabby's helping me apply for an apartment and it just it really makes my heart happy i have teeny gabby with me
1: oh cute Yeah. So i need one tell her to send me one i will she listens i'll I'll, message her yeah you
0: you tell her because she loves you and (laughs) she was your maid of honor so i feel like (laughs) i'm gonna tell her yeah you tell her maybe call her I don't know anyway (laughs) so I've got my teeny Gabby and she's helping me record and research and I'm going to take her to the grocery store and teeny Gabby's going to help me grocery shop and it just makes me really happy so if anybody out there misses somebody send them a teeny you and tell them to uh take you with them when they do stuff or else
1: I think that's a really great idea actually
0: you have to add in the or else or it's Uh, more fun and not threatening, which is not how I want it to be. What? Do do you want me to tell you a murder?
1: I've been waiting this whole time.
0: Stop interrupting me. No. Okay, that's fair. That's more than fair, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll stop. Let's go.
0: (laughs) A well-dressed man wearing a dark overcoat and going by the name... I'm sorry let me start over I can't speak I just woke up can anybody tell a well-dressed man wearing a dark overcoat and going by the name Roland T. Owen checked into the President Hotel located in the Power and Light District of Kansas City Missouri on January 2nd 1935. He had a large scar extending from his left ear and had a condition called cauliflower ear that primarily affected boxers and wrestlers he was described by an employee as twenty to thirty-five years old, five foot ten, weighed about one eighty pounds, and had blue eyes and brown, bushy hair. He said he was from the man. Let me clarify. Said he was from Los Angeles and asked for an itinerary. You know what?
1: Itinerary. I quit. Podcast. What are you for me. Take? Just spit it out. <laughs> you have to feel the word in your soul. Okay. <laughs>
0: He said he was from Los Angeles and asked for an interior room not facing the street that was several floors up.
1: He's a spy.
0: He checked in for a three-night stay but did not have any luggage other than a comb and a toothbrush. Hmm. During check-in, the man complained about the insane price of a neighboring hotel, which was $5 a night, which is about $100 a night in today's money.
1: He really did work for the government. (laughs) you yeah, are making $0 not getting reimbursed. They're like, we're not paying for that super <laughs> nice hotel over there. You get to stay at the Quality Inn.
0: <laughs> well, this one's the President Hotel, so it just screams fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the man left the hotel after a bellboy walked him to room 1046, which is facing the courtyard rather than the street. Around noon... Later that day, a housekeeper named Mary Soptick Soptic? Mary Soptic had entered the room to clean it and was surprised to find the man in the room as a woman was there the night before. The man asked her to come in and clean anyway.
1: In his own room?
0: Yeah, it was his room. Okay. He wasn't just crashing a, another lady's room. Mary noticed that the man seemed agitated and left shortly after the maid arrived, but he asked her to keep the door unlocked when she was done as he was expecting a friend. Mary noticed that the man kept the curtains closed and only used a lamp as a source of light in the room. She reported to the police that the man was either worried about something or afraid. He always wanted to kind of keep in the dark. Mary returned to the room at 4 p.m. with clean towels, she noticed that the door was unlocked and that the man was on the bed, fully dressed and watching her every move, which is really creepy. Weird.
1: Don't really do that.
0: weird. Don't do that to your housekeepers, everybody. They do not like it. <laughs> she saw a note on the desk that said, Don, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. The following morning, at about 10:30 a.m., Mary returned to room 1046 to clean it and found the door locked from the outside. Because in this hotel, you can lock the door from the, either the outside or the inside. and if That doesn't make
1: any sense.
0: I know. So if it's locked from the outside, because I'm assuming they used, like, metal keys in 1935, um, she had to use her key to get in. But if it was locked from the inside, she would knock and ask to be let in. She couldn't unlock it if it was locked from the inside. Okay. So it was locked from the outside, which meant that she had to use her key. However, the man was inside, sitting in the dark, and offered no explanation as to who locked him in his room without a key, because if it's locked from the outside, you can't unlock it from the inside. Which right? Is not good. Um, I'm really glad we've gone to alternative ways to open <laughs> hotel to, hotel room
1: doors. Could you imagine just some, like, asshole kid running around locking everybody's doors? (laughs) I know it doesn't work like that, but the mental image is really funny.
0: It's the son of the owner who's got access to the master key. (laughs) The man received a call from Don while Mary was in the room and stated, No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. No, I'm not hungry which is a lot of times to have to say you're not hungry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Once the man hung up the phone, he began questioning Mary about her position in the hotel, how many rooms she was in charge of, and what kind of people lived in the hotel and continued to complain about the other hotel's prices. Also, don't do that. Your, your housekeepers don't like people asking so many questions. Mm-hmm. They're just there to clean, man. As a previous hotel employee, I can tell you, stop it. Mary returned later that day with fresh towels, but the man was not alone this time. He and a different man were talking inside the room, and one of the men told her that they weren't in need of towels. Which was surprising to Mary as she took the towels before, so she knew there were no towels in the room. Following this interaction, a man named Robert Lane, a worker from the Kansas City Water Department, states that he offered the man a ride after he found him running after he found him running, dressed only in pants and an undershirt despite the chill from the winter weather. Mm -hmm. Robert Lane noticed a deep scratch on the man's arm and how the man cupped his hands in an odd manner, presumably to hide other injuries. When Lane inquired about his arm, the man mumbled, I'll kill him tomorrow. The man exited the car when they reached a taxi stand and that was the last Robert Lane ever saw of the man. The man, of course, is the guest in room 1046. if I didn't make that clear. Right. No. Witnesses later placed the man in the company of two women in several bars along 12th Street.
1: After he got wounded?
0: Yes. Hmm. In the early evening, a guest named Jean Owen was checked into the room next to him, room 1048. During the night, she heard a repeated commotion that sounded like a man and a woman arguing and yelling at each other. Shortly after this, the telephone operator noticed that the phone in room 1046 had been off the hook for some time, and he sent the bellboy up to ask the guest to return the phone to the receiver. The bellboy knocked on the door, and a deep voice asked him to come in, but the door was locked from the inside, so he, the bellboy couldn't get in. Sorry. The bellboy informed the man of this, but the man did not address it. He instead said, turn on the lights. The bellboy knocked for several more minutes to no avail and left shouting through the door, put the phone back on the hook. Around 8:30 the following morning the phone in 1046 was off the hook again so another bellboy went to the room when the knocks received no resp- response he let himself in with his key and noticed the man naked on the bed and the sheets stained Ew. with yeah that's not a sight anybody wants to see don't sleep nude in a hotel Oh wait, wait, wait. was he dead cuz then I feel bad No Okay but the sheets were stained with dark marks the bellboy put the phone back on the stand and left assuming the man was just passed out drunk. About half an hour after this, the phone was off the hook once again, so another bellboy went to deal with the issue. He is quoted as saying, When I entered the room, this man was holding I'm sorry, this man was within two feet of the door, on his knees and elbows, holding his head in his hands. I noticed blood on his head, saw blood on the walls, on the bed, and in the bathroom. After seeing the gruesome scene, the bellboy ran downstairs to get the manager and summon the detectives. When the detectives arrived, they discovered that the man was tied around the, the neck, ankles, and wrists. He was stabbed multiple times in the chest. One of the knife thrusts had punctured his lung, and his skull was fractured from repeated blows to the right side. The man was still conscious, and a detective asked him who had been in the room with him. The man answered, "'Nobody.'" The detective asked him how he got hurt and the man replied that he fell against the bathtub. What? The, de- the detective then asked him if he had tried to commit suicide and the man simply replied no before falling into a coma. The man died Who in the-
1: stabbed himself. Wait, wait, wait. Who stabs themselves several times, commits suicide? What? Uh, after-
0: and he was bound around his neck, ankles and wrists, which he clearly did and then somehow stabbed himself.
1: He's like, yep.
0: It was me. Got me. (laughs) And he also beat himself in the head. Mm. The man died in the hospital in the early morning of January 5th, 1935. So, let's get into the investigation. The murderer had stripped the hotel room of any belongings or items. There was no clothes, no shampoo, and no towels. All the detectives were able to find in the room was a necktie label, a hairpin, an unlit cigarette, a safety pin, and a small unopened bottle of diluted sulfuric acid. A broken water glass with a jagged edge was in the sink. The only fingerprints found in the room were on the telephone, which the police surmised belonged to a woman as they were very small. Another mystery that faced detectives was who exactly the man was. The man checked into the President Hotel as... Roland T. Owen of Los Angeles. He stayed at the Mulebach Hotel as Eugene K. Scott of Los Angeles. He stayed at the St. Regis Hotel as Duncan Ogletree, who shared a room with a man who gave the name Donald Kelso. There was also a wrestling promoter that said the man asked him about signing up for some matches and gave him the name Cecil Warner of Omaha. The police were unable to locate Don, nor the woman that the man had been arguing with all night. They couldn't figure out exactly how they fit into the murder, nor did they know why the man would refuse to give up his attacker. The circus, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the police didn't think Donald Queso or whatever you said his name was well, was the Don?
0: They couldn't find that guy, and they didn't know if that was his real name because this young man had given so many names that it was likely Donald Kelso wasn't his actual name or anything. So they were... Kind of confused on where to go with it, I think. Remember, this is 1935.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they'd been solving murders for several hundred years at that point. True.
0: The circumstances only got more confusing in March when police announced they would be burying the man in a potter's field, which is also called a popper's field, which is like a... Where
1: they bury poor people. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Before the burial could take place, however, an anonymous male donor called the funeral home and said he would send the funds to cover the young man's funeral expenses, and that he would be buried in the Kansas City's Memorial Cemetery. By some accounts, the man explained that the man had jilted a woman the donor knew, and that the three of them had met at the hotel to talk about it. The donor arrived. I'm sorry. The donor then allegedly said that cheaters usually get what's coming to them. The cash arrived wrapped in a newspaper, and the man was laid to rest in the cemetery, attended only by detectives. An anonymous order was placed with a local florist for 13 American Beauty Roses to be laid on the grave with a card that said, Love Forever, Louise. Around the time of the funeral, there was another strange call placed to a local paper. A woman who refused to identify herself called to complain to the editor that the paper reported that the man would be buried in a pauper's grave and that arrangements had been made for his funeral. When the editor asked her if she knew what happened in the hotel room, she simply answered he got into a jam. Of course.
1: Of course he got into a jam. This all sounds like mob stuff. It does, right? Yeah. Yeah anyway especially with like the cheaters and stuff that's like you know the mobsters were oddly moral about
0: mm-hmm. marriages
1: and stuff and you know they could be abusive to their wives sometimes but they had that like ride and die <laughs> mentality
0: i think that's a generalization jackie you don't want to stereotype mobsters
1: no okay <laughs> My bad, guys. I apologize to the mob.
0: If any mobsters want to write in and let us know uh, they do cheat <laughs> Stop on Stop wives, it. please send us an email to UCSFpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> two years, two full years after the murder, a friend of Ruby Ogletree showed her a copy of the May 1935 issue of the American Weekly, where an article titled The Mystery of Room Number 1046 showed the body of her son, Artemis Ogletree. His body was shown in profile, and she was able to identify the scar on his head as a burn from his childhood. This was confusing to Ruby, because if the boy in the article was in fact her son, then he had been dead way before she started receiving the typewritten letters, which confused her as her son didn't know how to type, and phone calls from a man named Jordan that stated Artemis had saved his life and married a woman in Cario. The final letter stated that Artemis was sailing to Europe. Ruby sent the letters and photos of her son to the police, and the man was confirmed to be her son, Artemis Ogletree. The only possible suspicious face in this case is a man who went by the alias Joseph Ogden, who was arrested for the murder of his roommate. One of Joseph's former aliases was Donald Kelso, and he had a similar appearance to the Donald Kelso that stayed at the St. Regis with Ogletree. Unfortunately, this connection was never pursued. They and didn't that, ask him? They didn't ask him, I guess. It's a waste. Yeah. Daniel though he had previously been arrested, so I don't know if this was found out before or after. Um. So um, the sources I used was an article titled Love Forever Louise, The Mystery of Room Number 1048 by Deanna Chopa. I'm sorry if I butchered that, on mentalfloss.com, an article titled Roland T. Owen and His Bizarre Murder in a Kansas City Hotel by Les Hewitt on historicmysteries.com, and an article titled Creepy and Unexplained Roland T. Owen, The Man Who Never Checked Out by America Moreno on magnettribune.org. And that was the story of the murder of Artemis Ogletree.
1: Yeah, you could have said that at the beginning and I would have had no idea what you were talking about so. I wanted
0: his identity to be mysterious I wanted to tell you his name as they they found it out especially because he used so many aliases Whew, yeah so that was the murder of Artemis Ogletree I hope you enjoyed it
1: it was very interesting I haven't heard that one before I definitely, definitely
0: think like spy games Yeah, there's a bunch of theories that he was a spy. There's a bunch of theories that he was a mobster. There's a theory that um, whoever this woman was was cheating on him with Don and they murdered him together. All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's what that note was implying, huh?
0: Yeah, but I mean... The truth will never be known, but it is interesting to speculate.
1: And that's what we do.
0: <laughs> if you like this podcast and you'd like to get updates, you can follow us on any of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. You can also send us your stories or send us suggestions to UCSFpodcast at gmail.com. And we just got our Patreon page up and running. So if you like what we're doing, you'd like to support us, and you'd get you'd like to get access to some more bonus content, you can find us on Patreon at UCSF Podcast. The link is in the show notes. Any advice you want to give, Jackie? Nope. Uh don't cheat on someone in the
1: mob. That sounds like pretty solid advice right there. Actually, how about this? Just don't know anybody in the mob.
0: <laughs> you got an uncle That's with a serious past?
1: cut him out. You don't need to talk, talk to him.